Hello and welcome to the Advanced Age Roleplaying Gamers Podcast. I'm Nathan, I'm your host, and I've got with me tonight uh, a different uh, interviewer with me for our Between Two GMs segment. Say hello, Tier. Hi, Tier. That's what Matt always says. Yeah, yeah, Matt always says that. So, yeah, that's, that's a pretty <laughs> good approximation of... He, he does. He's a very polite and formal man. Usually with I a mean, middle finger. You know. Yeah, until he passes yeah. out on the couch. Hi, Tier. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we we like to make a tear feel welcome. So, this, yeah, <laughs> tears first uh, time interviewing with us, but uh, he's a smart guy, and I'm sure he won't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> and now right, the pressure tier? is really on. <laughs> yeah, this he does. Nathan. I bet he knows the editor. This this is why Nathan does not go to the track and does not bet on anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've got uh, Lewanika, Josh, and Glenn with us again. Uh, Tabletop mm-hmm. Journeys. You, you may recognize them from podcasts called Tabletop Journeys, and possibly a, a Kickstarter that we talked about last time they were on. Yes. Um, so, mm-hmm. guys, just if you could just r- go around the uh, the table and just introduce yourselves real quick, and we'll start with uh, Glenn this time. Oh, cool. Hi, I'm Glenn Myers. I'm uh, one of the hosts of Tabletop Journeys. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to be talking about Kickstarters. And recently, well, all right, not that recently. Short version is I recently realized that I qualify 100% for AARPG at this point based on my most recent birthday. Yeah, uh, I could apply for regular AARP as well. <laughs> Don't laugh, Lee Winika, because you're older than me. <laughs> I just say it. We'll, I see we'll your point in laughing over there, but I mean that's just that's just that's just ludicrous, my friend. It's literally the pot calling the kettle black. I'll leave that joke as it is. <laughs> hmm. What could he mean? <laughs> I'm wearing a black shirt. That's pretty much where that well, comes let's from. Let's go, Hey, <laughs> hi, I'm Lee Winika. I'm one of the three uh, hosts of Tabletop Journeys, uh, and uh, I edit for the podcast. I write for our content. I do crazy, funny voices when I run uh, <laughs> when I run games at the table, and I just love visiting other podcasts. Our podcast family in general is really awesome, diverse, ages, races, creeds, types dispositions, all of those things. And I think it's amazing that we've, uh, in the short time that we've been doing this, just over three years, nearly three years completed, about to roll into our fourth year here very soon. Mm -hmm. We have amassed a great group of of good friends in the uh, in the content creation podcast part of the industry part of the hobby uh no signs of slowing down this is just uh, an amazing opportunity to kick back and once again uh, meet with some good friends and uh yap a little bit for the audience to hear we love to yap big yappy yeah yappy why don't we go with josh Okay. Yeah. So I'm Josh Newton. I'm the uh, the third leg of the stool, as they say. Uh, and hopefully my video is not too crappy here. I'm getting a lot of lag on my side. <laughs> hopefully, stool. It's all, hopefully it's all working out here. Um. Uh. But yeah. Uh. Really excited to be uh to be talking tonight. Yeah. Just really excited to be here. Happy to be doing mm. the circuit. Happy to be back. Nice to see you all again. So thanks again for for coming back on. It's, yeah, it's nice to see you guys again. Tier. Thanks for for uh, volunteering uh, for this. Hey. I was just talking to these guys uh, before we started. They got a new convert this week because I started listening to their podcast, started all the way back over um, uh, over three years ago, 
uh, sort of jumping through, got the introductory episodes, got got to the Christmas buying episodes, <laughs> the holiday the holiday buying episodes. Then yep. started really focusing down on some of their content that I really enjoyed as both a player and a and a storyteller. I absolutely love it, and I can't I can't wait to hear more. Awesome! I'm well, you, you, th- here. That's that very makes, nice of you to say. Yeah, yeah. That that really makes us feel great because you know we uh, look back at our history and we of course as all podcasters do really fret about those early episodes sound quality wasn't right where it needs to be we weren't very yeah, yeah. polished you know yeah. there's all kinds of things like we've learned tricks with editing we've learned to actually yeah. edit you know the, all these <laughs> all these wonderful things that we do now and we're like it, it, but at the same time we have always felt that we have had a history, a three-year history of very strong episodes, and some of our, some of my favorite episodes are in those early, those early six to seven months. Um, you sure. know, I love, uh, even though it was it, we were not good at fine-tuning our process, so it's a <laughs> bit of a longer one. But our backgrounds, which ended up being two parts, I yeah. loved those episodes because it's like we started with the things that were we always wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. We have not yet finished the things we all have always wanted to talk about, um, but uh, we definitely hit some of the big ticket items very early. So much so that um, there are some things that we might update, revisit with new tools, new techniques that we want to bring to the table. Things we talk yeah. about all the time because you know when you get to be uh, persons of a vintage disposition. <laughs> um, that's my new phrase, by the way. I coined it like earlier that. this week no, somewhere. Old folk, her TM. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, whether you carry the card, lord over people that you haven't gotten the card yet or not, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, uh, when you get to a certain point, you are still learning things. If you're doing this life thing correctly, you're always learning. You're always working on building your core, whether it be your game or whatever you do in life. You're always improving your process. So there are things that we absolutely stand by everything we've done in the past, but there are things we have new techniques for. There are things that we can talk about, new examples, newer games that we can apply some of the older techniques to that we never yeah. had or never knew about. You know, things we talked about in the past are actually in games that we are now playing. You know, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, I love the fact that somebody has gone back, looked at that old catalog, listened to that old catalog and let us know that w- we were on the right track all along. It means so much. Yeah. Thank you. And and oh. think about this too that uh, if you're going all the way back to the beginning, you have something like 600 hours of content to go. Uh, so uh, so saddle it. Just in seems crazy. <laughs> Standing on this side of it, it seems crazy that we it's have that much crazy of a backlog. To think about that. But yeah, we're we're yeah, putting out we episode, really do. We're putting out episode 140 this week. But that does not include all of the actual plays because we do two episodes a week. We do an actual right. play uh, on Tuesdays and we do uh, regular yeah. discussion yeah. episodes on Friday. So. You know, uh, we're, we're putting out our 140th episode, but that doesn't count all the actual plays Hashtag that we've done on the other side. side yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> so. Right. yeah we're, we're coming up on 100 actual play episodes, not including yeah. the live stuff, but you know, it's like maybe 160, 170 some odd YouTube videos to, total. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, not, but, but we're like in every other week, kind of. Hmm place yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you're and you you know what you said earlier about how when you when you start to where you are now how things have progressed and how things mm-hmm. have changed even just it, it you know so much in you know an audio video what 
we had discussed when we started the podcast is we were going to record we were going to record one game one actual play and we weren't going to use it and then we were going to start the podcast well these jokers decided no we'll just put this one out first i'm like oh no you why would you do that so 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 to uh to leave an equal point is like that that old stuff is just so so good the the audio was terrible Let's, let's, at least for, for us for the first three or four episodes yeah. yeah uh but but the game was so good uh like i was running and tier had like the best interpretation of a of a uh of a pre-written character that uh, i've seen in a long time uh pfc hammer from the uh, alien destroyer worlds campaign uh like nice. he's the he's the only hammer uh, i'll ever i'll ever take but anyway that's and, a, then, and then know. and then to bring it around now we're 140 episodes deep mm. and i am running the next arc and campaign yeah, that's yeah. what we're that's what's nice. going on with us right now and nice. i feel so different just from the experience and what i've learned and what i've learned in the community um you know and i love it and, and it's, it's a it's a wonderful place to be yeah, we're gonna nice. we're gonna definitely gonna have to talk aliens because I know when oh, yes. we played when <laughs> we, we played uh, Chariot of the Gods, uh, I took the pre-generated character um, of um, Lerone. Lerone. Like, yeah, Lerone. and uh, I just yeah, remember, you were amazing. Like, I, I remember saying, "How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna do this?" And then I, I honestly, I thought of my battle buddy when I was in basic training, who's from Shreveport, Louisiana, and I came up with this mixed accent that was a combination my bat like i used all the phrases for my battle bunny buddy and then i used uh the kind of voice and uh pacing of speech that my godmother's father uh who we affectionately called big daddy and her, her my godmother's mother we called big mama uh because they were from somewhere in the deep south i believe georgia and i remember just i'm gonna talk like him but try to sound a little bit more understandable like i basically used all of his ways of speaking and mannerisms as i was mm-hmm. acting out the character but then i just made sure i enunciated just a wee bit better so people could actually hear me because what i remember <laughs> about big daddy is as much as i loved him and he was awesome to me uh like a big hero of mine when i was a kid is the fact that i never knew a word he said like whether it was because he had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth or he had a, a face full of pumpkin pie. I don't know what it was, but it was, and usually both. Uh, like all I remember was stuff like, you know, like that, you know, and that. So like, I, it was like, okay, how can I do that? But actually make it so people can understand the words I'm saying. And I found it was magic. It was a moment where I just found it, put it together and I had a blast. It truly was. I swear your best RPG performance in terms of a characterization that I've ever seen you do. Just, you know, to give you full honor on that one. Uh, and I, yeah. I want to give a little credit to the Andrew Gaska and those folks who, who wrote the games. Uh, yeah. They they did really well uh, in, in fleshing out those, those pre-gens for all the games yeah. I've, yeah, I've read so far. Uh, they, they give you enough hooks in there and some ideas of coming up so, with something and another where like uh, your version of that Luanika of that character is going to be completely different than everybody else's, but still like true to that character. So, so I, I, that to me is like a nice, good game design. So absolutely yeah. brilliant game design. Uh, so many kudos go to them. Uh, the other thing that uh, we did with that to kind of talk about a, an, 
uh, one of our, our very first TTJ uh, book was collaborative world building. Josh, who ran that game for us, did a collaborative world building session right at the beginning of that. So it, uh, right. and what he basically did was we rolled on this, or he had us talk about a story. Like basically, I want you to tell me the story about uh, your big phobia. And so yeah. we had to create on the spot our character's phobia, knowing yeah. full well that we are literally handing <laughs> the storyteller exactly handing what the he's keys to the castle to mother. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had we had we had to make it work. And I remember as I don't think I went first. I want to say I don't think I went last either. But whoever went well, before you, you, me, I, I'm I thinking, isolated you. I, I isolated you too. Yeah, you didn't do it in front yeah. of everybody else. And so like we had like a big room. Yeah. Uh, and I pulled them all out individually, did their phobia, and then put mm. them back in the room. So none of you knew <laughs> yeah. what each other's phobia was, for one. Uh, I knew. Yeah. And then yeah. it was when we did the episode that we bridged it all together and, and finally re- revealed all the secrets because, of course, one of you was, was a turncoat, right? And so, like, you know, so there was a whole bunch of, like, there's a whole bunch of, like, secrets between you all that none, none of you really knew about until I put, until we put the episode out. None of you knew them until we put the episode out, except for me. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and I just remember that in that moment that all I was thinking about, and it was probably because I had just watched it recently, was uh, Robert Shaw's uh, speech in Jaws <laughs> uh, with the Indianapolis. Yep. So here I am playing this character who's like a roughneck effectively, and I'm like, I'm a roughneck from Louisiana. I don't have sharks. I don't have the Indianapolis, but – let's talk about gators. So I literally talked about being treed by this massive gator attack and how it wiped out all the people I was with. And I was the only one left. So, and and so I used this combination of that and elements from uh, the original predator film to kind of inform the performance in the story uh, and, and just played up that fear of gators or whatever. And then it just, it was awesome. I mean, I, I don't want to give it away because I really want people to go back and listen to those episodes that we have. <laughs> well, Tears listen to it I'm soon. Yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Tears yeah. will get to it soon. But I, I'm telling you, probably some of the funnest stuff I've done at a game table in in my life. It was it was yeah. it was something. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and when you're like handing talking about like phobias and things like that, it's it's good to have like a a good relationship with your with your GM. So you can kind of trust them to, to to hand them those keys and that control and say, okay, you know, you're, I'm going to give you all this power, but, and I know you're going to yeah. you know, use it, use it responsibly and it's going to be fun. And it's, you know, you know, and, and in horror games, bad things are going to happen. Uh, yeah, right, so right. you have to kind of give away some of that, a little bit of that freedom and, and, and trust that you know, even if you die, it's going to be pretty magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, and that's the like thing. It, Going into a game like Aliens, just yeah. expect to die. Yeah, yeah. Expect it from the from the get go. Don't don't plan on being. I've got to be the one that survives because you probably yeah. won't. Yeah. Yeah. I had no I had no illusions about whether or not I was going to be the final girl. Like right? no, no illusions. Like right. yeah. in fact, yeah. yeah. I don't want to say much more because it'll give away. But there's a scene where yeah, I was yeah. pretty confident this was it. And mm-hmm. and when you listen to it, you'll know that scene. That's, that's yep. what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, yep. looking, I'm really looking forward because I, I, I wound up on the unexpected end of an Aliens campaign and went, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> but it all worked out. <laughs> it made a yeah. great story. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun stuff. So last time you guys were here, uh, you were doing a Kickstarter for 
multiverse was it a sub, subclasses. subclasses subclasses yeah, yeah. yeah. heroic subclasses, subclasses of the multiverse, the multiverse. Yeah. Ooh, sorry i was like i was like coming at it from backwards and flipped it around yeah uh subclasses multiverse so that was a su- successful yes it was it was yeah. very yeah. happy yeah yeah so uh, 300 funded something like that yeah Yep. That's awesome. It yeah. actually funded in the first 72 hours. So to everybody listening, uh, we're putting it out to you. There's a record to beat now. Uh, you know, <laughs> and thank you that. for your support from the last time we were on the show when we were talking about yeah. the Kickstarter because yeah. the people that we're talking to and your contributions is what made it possible. So thank yeah, you very absolutely. much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I just help you kind of maybe reach some folks that you, you may, may not reach on a normal basis and, and ho- hopefully they like what you do. And if they, and if they like enough, then they'll uh, support you. So that's, Absolutely. well, they, they came out, they came out the last time and yeah. we're here to talk, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the, the past project, but we'll get to the new project and yeah. uh, good stuff. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the, the nice thing about ha- like having a podcast like, like ours is, you know, we, we talk to like free league and chaosium and, and those folks like that, but we get to talk to who we want to talk to because, you know, we're, we don't have any stake in the game other than we're, we're having fun talking to people that we like. So uh, yeah. you're, you're on our, on our good list. So, but, but uh, like you guys, you have, you have good energy. We have fun talking. So, and, and that's what it comes down to. I think uh, when we had the, uh, Opti from uh, for his uh, subversion camp uh, on is support your friends and yeah. and that's what it comes down to if you if you like like the person and, and like their general vibe it doesn't hurt just just throw throw a couple bucks their way and, and give them some support so uh, absolutely or, you know record a podcast and spend hours editing and. it's all about your level of commitment guys i'm gonna help out and there's totally crazy which is where all of us in this current virtual room land (laughs) so i've heard a lot too that with with kickstarters really those first 48 to 72 hours are super important because once that passes that initial excitement it i think it's it becomes uh, a lot harder to hit those 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 targets and those those stretch goals so very much so yeah 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 so getting the word out early and getting folks to to check it out ahead of time is is super important so you know best of luck with that it really is yeah i mean it really is i mean i actually witnessed just about a week ago, uh, kind of an, un, uh, an unseen kind of anomaly where there was a Kickstarter campaign. I was I was talking about it with uh, with Glenn and Luanika on our kind of shared chat as it was happening. Uh, but it was a, a Kickstarter campaign that I had backed early, but within the last two hours, they were like a couple hundred dollars away from funding. And I was like mm. talking to them on on X. Also, they were like, "We don't know if it's going to fund or not." I'm like, "Well, what can we do? How can I help?" <laughs> like, just like send send tweets send blue sky messages send whatever to whoever will listen you know kind of thing but i was like and i was like i was like guys i gotta be honest if it's like within the last two hours and we're that close to funding i'm gonna be awful i'm gonna be the worst person in the world except for you know because like i'm gonna be so i'm gonna be sitting on nails i'll be it'll be awful and so you know yeah, yeah. hopefully we're not in that but yeah. hopefully we want fund in the first 72 hours and we can spend the yeah. last three weeks of our campaign you know, f- filling out stretch goals and everything like that, like we did it the last time around. Yep. And uh, yeah, so right. That would that or would if be, you want to see me unbearable. That would be you know. glorious. Yeah. 
Because it would so, be terrible to be sitting there right on the edge like that. Oh, yeah. I can't even, yeah, I can't even no, imagine. I feel bad. Like I've seen some that where, where people had like had some pretty loft, lofty goals. And, you know, I, I'd speak to some folks like uh, on Reddit or whatever. And I'd like kind of see what they're doing. It's like, well, it's, you know, you're your target's kind of high and you know, like what's, you know, what's the value proposition here? Like, and yeah. they, they, they have like a nice, like the start of an idea, but really wasn't ready for a Kickstarter yet. They didn't have it kind of narrowed in and didn't have their messaging. Right. Which, mm. uh, you know, I think there are folks like I've got a friend Mitch who, who helps folks out with that. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of people, a lot of very creative people in, in the whole TTRPG community, but that doesn't mean that what you are making is going to, that you're going to translate. Be good. Yeah. It's not going to translate yeah. and it may be, it may be wonderful, but if you don't know how to, uh, build the messaging around it, you know, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, you, you have to kind of play a little bit of the marketing game and you got to, yeah. You know, if if you have if you can't do everything, then you need to get somebody to help you out to bring your your dream to to life. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we talk about a lot amongst ourselves, and I try to share with folks, certainly when I talk to people in my day to day muggle life, uh, going to the nine to five job and all that, is what we do is art. Uh, it, it is an art form. Kickstarter is a weird combination of art and science. And the science is that marketing piece. It is that how do you take your art to get it to as many eyeballs as necessary, knowing that a percentage of those eyeballs are the ones that will support your art, right? Yeah. So the mechanism to do that, uh, the, the, the cost versus va value proposition that's involved in that is very mechanical. It's very science. It's very sales. Um, and one of the things that we are blessed with is the fact that we are a team. So we each have our own individual strengths, weaknesses. I remain in a, in a uh, sales type position. I work for a sales organization. So there are some things that I do. I have very good friends in marketing so I can lean on them for ideas. I can, in some cases, just see what they do for their side gigs and mm -hmm. just mirror that in our own yeah. TTRPG yeah. method. Uh, you know, so these are the these are the types of things, uh, you know, what is it that Josh is always reminding us, you know, um, uh, <laughs> good artists borrow or good musicians borrow great musicians steal. steal uh, exactly. I, I, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of that to it, but it's about the team. No one person, unless this is their full time gig can do all of any piece of this. And, and so let's be we, honest. we have to split even that if, up. Even if it is their full time gig, with all of the things that we are doing to run the to run our podcast, put out as many episodes <laughs> as we do a week, and yeah. create the content that we do, one person wouldn't have enough hours to do it on their own. They would have to right. get partners. They would have to out, yeah. to find more, even if that means you know outsourcing to. As an example, for Kickstarters, one of the biggest outsources is going to be art for us because while all of us have a lot of talent. None of us are an established graphic, full on graphic designer. So that's yeah. something that we would have to outsource. So if someone out there is just a small operation or a one person operation, they need to find people to collaborate with if they're struggling, because you're not wrong. 
Um, and Lewanik is 100% right. The fa- the way that the three of us complement each other, we're insanely lucky when it comes to creating content mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the way that we go through our creation process and the way all three of us will wind up having a hand in it by the time it's done. But each one of us brought something else to it that makes it shine that much more. Um, so I'm I'm really proud of the work that we do, and I'm really glad to have the team that I have. Yeah. It shows. Yeah. There's a lot in with these things. And, you know, the there are two entire – it's a different discipline to do the content stuff that appears in our Kickstarters than to do the podcast. Our podcast is idea food. It's conversations. It's meeting people, talking with people. They yeah. form the ideas that lead into what we put down on paper uh, and put out in our in our Kickstarters and in our various books and various projects. But, you know, that plus some of the games we run, whether it be with our Patreons or we or actual plays that we produce for the show or home games or, or some combination thereof. You know, for me, a lot of my ideas come from this weird thing where I'm pretty much an insomniac, not particularly diagnosed, but I just don't sleep well. So I am pretty consistently watching a ludicrous sum of YouTube uh, videos. So, uh, but the YouTube videos I tend to focus on with when they're not music in nature, uh, and reaction videos, which I love, um, is very much on historical things, uh, whether it be Roman history or whatever, and science things. Uh, you know, uh, the space race is one of my favorite current YouTube channels because they're nice little 10 minute blurbs about some element of what's going on to get people successfully to the moon and Mars missions and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. or about what the various telescopes and the various m- missions within our solar system are all about and learning about the different planets. And I love that science stuff. You know, I will frequently at least once a day, watch something with by Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, because there's always something that these guys are saying that edifies my mind in a way that at some point turns into something I'm writing later on. Maybe not in that moment, but there's very little that, that I read, view constantly that doesn't show up at some point. Uh, you know, So I'm always taking and processing these things through my head and saying, okay, that's really cool. What's the story behind this cool event? Or what's the story behind this cool thing you see? And then what we end up with, when, at least from the piece of the writing that I do, is that cool story that could create this cool thing that we saw. So it's like, what's the piece behind that? And I think of the games at the table as players getting to the cool thing by doing cooler things. And that's what I'm trying to create uh, with, with uh, the work that I do. So what's more satisfying to you? Is it, uh, is it run, running the game, the writing the background or, or being a player? If you had to kind of focus on one of those things, cause you've, you do, you know, a lot of you know, performance stuff. You, you're, you're writing these, these backgrounds for, for, the uh, uh, other products that you guys have done. Uh, but you know, sometimes it's, it's, uh, some people like they want to be the forever GM. What's probably, what's the most, uh, uh, exciting for you if you had to choose. I'll let the one. other guys answer and then I'll, I'll, okay. I'll throw mine in last. How's that? <laughs> Let's go with Josh yeah. first. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, for me, honestly, uh, it's, it's the writing. Like it is the idea creation and the idea generation. I just love sitting down with, with a concept or a, th- uh, one little thought and just like 
sticking my finger in that little nugget of an idea and seeing how far I can go ahead and get it to spread. I mean, it is, that is, that's the most amazing thing for me, right? Like that's, um, I, it, it's been, you know, we're, we're doing kind of the preliminary writing for the next Kickstarter now. And, you know, we all kind of came up with like these little paragraph long blurbs to go ahead and say, okay, this is what we think this, uh, this organization or this faction is going to be right. Uh, three, four sentences, stuff like that. And that's kind of what we all decided based on those three or four sentences, what's going to be in the book and what's not going to be in the book. Uh, and then once we kind of decided the main content, then we went back to go ahead and start writing. Um, and the first one that I did, I took that three or four sentence idea and it's like 15 pages now. So, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I love is kind of going so deep into the writing trance that you're like you're just kind of like exploring every angle of this idea and letting kind of the narrative take you wherever it's going to go. That's, I mean, I, when I was in, so my master's is in music actually is in composition and the same kind of thing would happen when I was writing. Like I'd get up at, you know, at the time my son was, was very, very young and uh, uh, like, you know, seven, eight years old. And so I'd get up at like four o'clock in the morning and until he got up around seven or eight, that was my writing time. And it was like, you know, in the, the house was dark and the house was quiet and, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. So the house was cold in the winter and stuff like that. And just kind of like getting into it and kind of into that, that narrative trance as you're kind of exploring those ideas and, and then kind of sitting back and seeing what you've got what actually came out of it. That's kind of the best part is like, where, where did my mind and my hand actually go when I was exploring this? And that, that's been the best part for me. I find that editing is my Zen time. So I can, I can kind of relate to the, the composition piece. Uh, Don't try to steal him. Don't try to steal him. (laughs) Uh, Glenn, how about you? For myself? um, I mean, Josh is pretty much hitting right along a lot of the same strokes that I do. Um, I call myself a maker. I like to create things. It doesn't really matter which aspect of it it is. What I like is taking that idea, that seed, and helping it grow into something and being like, at the end of it, looking at it and going, wow, holy crap, I made that. And it could be anything from writing a module, creating a character, doing a subclass, making a spreadsheet to track mileage for the RV that we live in. If I'm making it and it's turning into something, I'm having a good time. Um, And that applies to all three, not to try to cheat the question, but if I had to pick one of the three categories between running, playing, and writing, I would also probably, I couldn't, I couldn't, because (laughs) when I play, I write, when I run, I write. So I guess write, write, write has to be the answer, because as a storyteller, I have to write, as a player, I have to write, and as a writer, I have to write. So yeah. That's that's what I took away from one of your earliest episodes when I was listening is when you were talking about, are you a game master? Are you a DM? Are you a GM? Or And when you went, no, we're storytellers. Everyone writes part of the story. The players write it. The, 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 the storyteller provides the framework and the necessary background or clues and the, the and the players write the rest of the story and you're all involved in the creation process. And I took that from you all this week and it's one of the greatest uh portions of the your podcast i loved it yeah thank you again that's a a term that we stole from another game too yeah so yeah we stole that from vampire the masquerade masquerade but it just resonated as soon as we all heard it yeah it has always resonated with us we've been using it ever since uh and i think in that episode we really fine-tuned our beliefs in that because there's a lot of back and forth on the internet there's different people there's great content creators who will 
die on a hill saying you are not a storyteller, you know, and with great def- deference to uh, Dungeon Craft and Professor Dungeon Master, who I I love watching his shorts. Right. And, and, but uh, I absolutely disagree with that. But I have also listened to his full dissertation on the topic, and he's absolutely correct as he defines the word storyteller to be as a GM, as a storyteller, I am not that thing that he's defining. I have, we have created our own definition of what storyteller means to us for us at our table. We invite other people to take that particular definition and use that as a catch all because it's system agnostic uh, and works. And, you know, no small part of this, I don't want to be anybody's master. It's not my goal. I, you know, I don't have a pet now, but I have in the past. And when I do in the future, I'm not even that pet's master. I just happen to be the person who's responsible for making sure they have food, right? I am not somebody's master and don't ever want to be called that. I don't like that term. And there's Uh, been a big shift away from that term for a while with mother for alien, keeper for the lore keeper, which is just substituted keeper for monster of the week. You know, that has been moving away from. So a lot of us felt that way just to support what you're saying. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I think I feel strongly about storyteller because I believe in the ancient, one of the oldest traditions of humankind, which is just that telling stories, sharing experiences, whether it is at a campfire and a circle of stones or on some streaming channel or whatever. So uh, it, it is sharing an experience or telling a tale that people can join in on. And, and a communal storyteller, very much like Stone Soup, a good friend of mine, Michael Desmuke and Jim Johnson were talking about the story of Stone Soup. They actually, their version of it is a bit different than the one I grew up with, but it was the idea that uh, a village was starving. Uh, nobody had had food to feed enough people. So one person said, well, I've got this great soup uh, that can make and uh, and basically had a pot of water, was boiling it and put a stone in it. It's called Stone Soup. It's so great and sat over this thing and just sipped it. And, oh, it's so good. And it's just missing a little something. And he mentioned it. And so I was like, oh, I think I have some of that. So all of a sudden one person did it. And then, and, oh, it's so much better. And then pe- he kept coming up with new things to add to this soup. and. Before long, the whole village had added to this, and then they fed the village. And that's a story I learned or I first heard probably in kindergarten or first grade. Yeah. But it, 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 and I think those of us of vintage disposition probably got the book version in our elementary school years uh, at some point. But that I think yours is, was on a stone tablet, Lee Winnie. It probably it was etched. It was etched. You know, it's it, it's it's still there. It's on the side of a mountain. It's you know, uh, it's right next to Kilroy was here. But uh, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, that says a lot about the tabletop experience. What I do as a storyteller, what what is I provide the pot, the water, and the stone every player is adding that other ingredient to make this great thing that we all dine on for however long the game lasts and our memories last after that. And I think that that works for me. That's how I view it. If I were to pick my favorite, because I think I'm, I would say creation because we are creating the entire time. The only time creation stops in what we do here is when I'm finished editing and when Josh finishes final processing, we are literally, especially for the games we air, we are literally 
changing, altering, and creating the story until the moment we hit the button that releases that story. And at that point, every time we talk about that story, we are still creating that story. We are still expanding that myth. We are still doing that thing that a thousand years from now, if they only got a little niblet of what we've done, one could only hope would be the next story of Perseus and Medusa. You know, <laughs> that's, that's kind of my thing. I'm always looking for that. I'm like, what's the story that's going to last? What's the tale I'm going to be telling? What's the tale that a player at my table is going to say, I remember when 20 years from now, I talk about all the time on our show, a game we played or a session we played or a moment 30, 40 years ago. I can't remember a phone number. If you gave me a phone number right now, I would forget it in three minutes. But I can sure tell you about the first time I had a character that walked into Waterdeep with a bunch of characters uh, that, and we basically decided we would form a uh, protection racket. Uh, I'm sorry, a security business. You know, <laughs> I can tell you about nearly every story we had with some level of incorrectness because, you know, time. But I remember that better than I would remember a phone number that somebody gave me today. Well, Besides, it it's more it's, it's more yeah. fun to embellish them. Yeah. yeah. You know, that fish was this big. Yeah. This big. This this big. <laughs> yeah, this big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this Honestly, story, it was a yeah. guppy, but it had big teeth. <laughs> that's, a, that's that's the biggest thing I learned about fishing is hold your arms out towards the camera and <laughs> give that illusion. Uh, what I've learned about fishing is if you lean back, it looks like it's heavier. Just act like you're straining to lift it. No matter what yeah. size it is, it's much heavier than it looks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one to take forward. We got, we got some fishing. That was an epic Luanika rant I will add, too. Like, that, was, that, was, uh, that was impressive, Luanika. That, that, that was a pretty good one. That was good. That was a good one. He's on fire this yeah. evening. <laughs> <laughs> or a slow burning, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got the, the fire uh, started and now it's kind of going full roar now. Um, lessons learned from the first Kickstarter. Is, should I do a round robin again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's, how about Josh? We'll, we'll start with you again. Uh, le yeah. Big lessons learned from the last Kickstarter. Boy. Uh, lessons learned. You know what? I, I think the biggest lesson that I learned was not actually during the campaign, but after the campaign, it was about being honest with your backers about when things are coming and what your, what your timeline is like, you know, we had every intention. So that campaign ran uh, like September until early October last year. And we had every intention of having that book out by the end of the year, right around the time um, my wife was about to give birth to my beautiful daughter. And we were hoping to go ahead and uh, have the book out by the time uh, my daughter uh, was born. Um, that did not wind up happening. It did wind up coming out until about April. Um, and, you know, honestly, and, and it was a better product for it, right? If we had really tried to like mm. cram it together and put it out in December, it, it would not have been as good as it was when it came out in April because it was right around December that, you know, we'd, we'd written all the subclasses and we got them all together and everything. And we're like, you know what? We really we should play test these just to go ahead and make sure that yep. they're actually, that they translate to the table well. Right. And when we play tested, we learned a lot about how to write subclasses by giving them to other people and having them break them for us because break them, they did. Um, so, uh, you know, the book became better when we gave that time for, to get it right. Um, and being communicative about that, I think is what, allowed us to go ahead and keep our backers happy and everything like that. Like everybody understood that these things happen, but being communicative about that was really a big deal. 
Yeah, Lee Winicky, you had something to say? I was just going to say, um, we had done some playtesting. Uh, a couple of the classes had actually been used at home games for a while at that point. But what we yeah. determined is we need more robust playtesting. That's, That's when fair, we developed yeah. a playtest system where all when of we got the, serious about it. Yeah, all of the uh, subclasses were tested at very specific levels with identical um, encounter scenarios. Play tested through multiple play tests. Partners. We got a cadre of close somewhere between twelve and fifteen all all, told, all in play testers, all from the TTRPG podcast community to to come in and and play test these these games robustly uh, and really uh, put them through their paces, break the spokes, and see what came out of it. So it, it was. We had done playtesting to get them to where they were. What we really determined was if you're going to do subclasses, you need robust playtesting. I have a little forgiveness for all the companies that are out there doing playtesting and all the minor gripes that we in the community have because having gone through what we went through, I know how difficult it is. If I have a gripe with them, I don't know if – putting it out the way they have is the kind of robustness that they need uh, because I don't know if it's – I don't think some of the playtesting is – similar enough to have us put a scientific method to it. And that's kind of what we did. We put a scientific method. You can't test a theory unless you're re retesting of uh, the exact same parameters with a different thing. And does this work? Mm-hmm. And that's how we created balance within the subclasses. That's how we knew they balanced against other things in the game is we took these scenarios, all were scenarios we created and just put them through their paces. And then, resisted the urge to change the scenarios simply because we needed them to be the same. Following that, we changed the scenarios and have used those for other projects that we've done. But during the test, no matter what, the scenario stayed identical. We just tested different characters, different players at different, time, uh, different okay. times. Uh, Glenn, you want to, uh, you have anything to add or? Sure. So to the original question of lessons learned, everything takes longer than you think it will. <laughs> it's short and yes. it's simple, but everything, yeah, everything from getting art back to uh, final editing to honestly, just all of us going through the same document and reviewing it around our own schedules. Everything's going to take longer than you think it will. And uh, as we move into our next Kickstarter, that lesson has informed our planning so much. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not going to say everything's going to be, I'm not going to curse this by saying everything's going to be smooth and go off without a hitch, <laughs> knocking on wood. You don't see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knocked on wood. I knocked on wood. Um, but we did <laughs> learn so many of those lessons that I know this project, everything's going to run smoother and smoother, not completely smooth. I'm just saying smoother, Josh yeah. Call. Um, <laughs> and we're going to do, put out a, a better product in a more timely fashion. Yeah. Not saying we're going to get it out on time, but it will be closer to on time than the last one was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the other thing, if if I can, that we kind of learned just kind of in general. Sorry, just to go ahead and load on one thing. I think the model for how we did our Kickstarter worked really well last time. Is that we kind of came up with the base offering, and then we tied all of our stretch goals to making the book bigger and better. So like everybody knew what they were going to get, and the more people that backed, just the better it got. And we're going to be following that model again this time around. So hoping that it works this time too. I, I would say what I learned is about organization 
or, or more organizational things. Uh, part of that is in the planning and the timetables and making sure that we are being um, more diligent about our timetables. You know, just because something can be done in three days doesn't mean it's going to be done in three days. You have to allow for a day of calamity, a day of recovery <laughs> or whatever. So, you know, things that we thought might get done in three days are probably more accurately six days, you know, those like types week, of yeah. things. And, you know, extrapolating that out, uh, we're not saying it's going to take us 15 years to get this done by no means will it take us that long. But one of the things that was very important to when we uh, got going on this uh, project is we before we even started working on uh, our preliminary uh, Kickstarter page and starting asking people to follow the project was we had to get our writing to a higher degree of doneness than we did on the previous Kickstarter. So we are much further along in our process. Uh, okay. When we did the last project, we knew what we were doing. We had a lot of our ideas down, I would say, far less than first or rough draft uh but they were they were still largely mostly ideas uh you know even though there were subclasses elements had been play tested but nothing had been completed at that point i think there's one yeah. that was actually in a complete form at the time the kickstarter launched and we were basically working as we went to contrast that we are right now looking at early rough drafts far from first draft but we have rough drafts on nearly everything that's in that's in the core offering of of this of of this project and there are notes and rough drafts nearly first drafts on many of the stretch goals in fact so completion is going to be i think i bumped a button that i didn't mean to there uh completion <laughs> uh, uh on this project it should in theory be much easier because we are further along when we start uh, and yeah. I think that's an important factor to uh, the level of commitment we have to one meeting or beating our timetables, uh, as well as producing better content. And part of that is necessity. We are doing much more original commissioned art th in this project than we have ever done before. Uh, and so in order to do that, we had to have much more complete information and ideas so artists could go yeah. out there and produce artwork that matches what we're doing. We are literally at the point where we're seeing draft sketches and first draft sketches in a few areas for commissioned art for this project now. That's so great. we can't very well change the tone of a thing after the artwork's already done and paid right. for. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that can't happen. <laughs> so uh, literally the nature of this product, uh, this project is significantly different than the last pro project because of some of those elements, the desire to create a better quality product, the desire to have certain things in place uh, requires much better uh, backup house budgeting, planning, and all of those things. Because unlike our last project, this is not PDF only. This is something that we will also be producing print versions for those who back it at those levels. The ability mm -hmm. to do that means we have to be much more specific on and, and much more take much more care with a lot of the details than we had to initially on the other one. We still got to a very precise detail on the last project. That's why it came out. That's why it was good. That's why we've had great reviews on the product as a whole. Mm -hmm. But this time around, we just have to do a lot of that earlier to continue that, that, that trend. 
Yeah, printing yep. is a whole other monster. Uh, you know, because you know how stuff looks on on a PDF on your computer screen does not necessarily translate at all, like layout, yeah. color, all that stuff to a print. So that's yep. That's a that's a big undertaking. Um, but uh, so I want to get into the Kickstarter here, but I want to give tier. Tier, do you have any questions for the, the crew uh, about? No, the- no. I mean, I, we we we've been edging around the you know the con- the new content for the Kickstarter. Like, oh well, this is what it's going to happen. This is where we're at. But we haven't mentioned anything about I'm it. A little, little bit I, of this. I, yeah. I think we've teased people long enough. I, th- I think it's yeah. now it's time yeah. to talk about this. Right. As they say in my reaction videos, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> the Traveler's Guide to Factions. Uh, that's yeah, what you dude. guys are doing. Uh, so give us the, uh, so who wants to give us the, the 50,000 foot view uh, of that? Any, any volunteers? You got it, Josh. All right. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Uh, so the traveler's guide to faction. So the, the kind of the running joke among the three of us is that the, the traveler is this mysterious multi-planar being, uh, who, kind of writes these guidebooks for people that want to explore the multiverse. He, he, or they have some sort of, uh, some arcane knowledge and some sort of, uh, uh, some sort of whacked out view of history and time and everything like that. So the traveler is kind of this like running NPC that has, has secretly run our books. You know, we've always made the joke that the traveler is a three headed dragon that, and none of the three heads can ever agree with each other because that very much kind of describes our creative process. Right. Um, but the, the traveler's guide to factions uh, contains nine factions. Uh, it is a largely rule agnostic. It's going to have some mechanics in it, but it's largely rule agnostic uh, lore heavy, uh, set of factions that the the design is that in any campaign any system any time period you can take a faction that you like and drop it in and each faction is comes with just a, a tremendous amount of lore and background about the nature of the faction and the how that faction is structured and what the people in that faction how they function and everything like that um, but also has a lot of content on you know if you're taking a particular faction and you're going to run it in a, like a, a game based in the bronze age here's how to go ahead and do that or you're going to take it into like a victorian steampunk game here's how to do that or if you're going to play like a like a near future or a a far future sci-fi game here's how you drop it into there kind of giving them this view throughout time uh and so it's not just tied specifically to a particular fantasy setting or anything like that you know the mechanics that we are putting into the early stages of the book are going to be 5e compatible um but we're specifically not fantasy 5e also like they can be portable to other 5e systems like everyday heroes which just came out on kickstarter a little while ago that's a 5e engine there are other five there are other games that are built on the 5e engine that are not specifically fantasy and we're hoping that these factions work well with all those two with the, with the lore that we're putting into the back of it so now i'm gonna uh take a stab at something here so a, a year ago in this other kickstarter it was specifically 5e based if i remember correctly right yeah, it was yeah. very much five E based. So, yeah, so it was. what happened in the past year that may have maybe <laughs> had you drift away from really going all in into five E? Is there anything well, that happened? Got, you know, anything that, that changed? So, so yeah. every, everybody knows about the OGL. <laughs> yeah, you know everybody's familiar with the the giant hand of Watsi coming down and trying to crush our creative community yeah. and how how all of that went. And a little background that happened as we were trying to finish our last Kickstarter. So now suddenly Mm. we might not be able to put it out. Yeah. yeah, We've been paid. 
our Kickstarter was completed, but we had not yet delivered. So that was a very, very rough time of uncertainty for us. And yeah, we came out of that a little jaded. I like to say that nobody can ever take D&D from me. I've been playing it since I was eight years old. It's as much a part of me as it is as any other role-playing game ever could be. And honestly, I feel that I own D&D more than Watsy does. But Watsy's definitely kind of given us a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth and made yeah. us look at creating content for other games and to create content that can be compatible with 5e because there's some great games like tales from the valiant and Daggerheart coming out hopefully soon that will uh, give us another 5e avenue that's not handing our dollars to watsi but also to expand because we're expanding i'm really mm-hmm. getting into savage worlds we've been playing yeah. some powered by mm-hmm. the apocalypse um, and we want to write for those systems, too. So we're definitely headed in that direction. Right now, what we know best is 5e. Um, so when we, that's why, as we say, when we do the mechanics, they will be 5e compatible, but with the ability to port them into any 5e, any other 5e system. Uh, but we wanted the, the, the factions to be system agnostic so that if you're playing a post-apocalyptic future Road Warrior style game, you could still take one of them drag it and drop it, use some of our suggestions on how to change it to make it fit that type of of game or genre um, and run with it. I mean, to be fair, you're going to get one snapshot of the, our clearest vision of it, but then you're going to get, if you're going to move this to a you know dystopian setting, a modern setting, etc., you're going to get guidance on that. So, so yeah, it was important to us because of the OGL kerfluffle to uh, not separate ourselves from D&D and 5e but definitely show that that's not all we're doing cuz it's not all we it's not what we all what we wanted to do anyway we were already doing and Tier's going to get into some of them if he hasn't yet a lot of indie games and kickstarter games that we were bringing them in and doing interviews from the creators and we were actually playtesting their games with them and this is already the direction we wanted to go Watsi just gave us a reason to get off our lazy bums and do it a little yeah. faster. Yeah. Yeah. And when we talked last time, like we talked about a lot about the, some of the other games that we've all played mutually, like riffs and, and, and Star Trek and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. in our group, I think I'm one of the, the folks that really tries to push us to, to, okay. It's like D and D is great. I love it. It's, it's always going to be in my heart, but there's so many other games out there for us to, to try. So I'm going to maybe encourage you guys, you know, uh free league has a open license to maybe try some of that stuff because because <laughs> there's a better chance that, I, that i'll try it because that's kind of my 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 golden child right now is, is free league but, but yeah. we, we we talked to um uh, chaosium uh at uh at gen con and uh yeah. they, i saw they, that uh, that was a good yeah, one yeah, it was great. They were great to talk to, and they they uh, handed us the uh, the basic role playing book. Uh, and Matt's gonna read through that and hopefully do a review. But but so and and they're going all, all you know open license too with the work license and and uh, Paizo of course. So there's the the options are out there for you to to develop content like what you're do, already doing, but uh, kind of if you wanted to focus it on, on you know, on the, on the orc license or, or the year zero engine or something like that, you, you have this huge opportunity now and, and not only opportunity, but you have, you have some motivation. Yeah. So, so there's a bit of so, a, there's, there's a bit of a secret sauce here and I'll give you guys, cause 
we love you and we want your audience to have. When we do these uh, these meet and greets with our podcast family, we try to give every group a little something special, a little something extra. So folks listening will li- go to all of our little spots here, there, and everywhere and meet everybody. <laughs> so the piece that I would uh, sprinkle into this particular po- uh, podcast is this. Um, not all of the games that we want to write for are completed yet. So as we're writing, we decided early to do system agnostic, just like we've spoken about. We decided that 5e is going to be our base rules, but it's going to be separated in the way that that shows up. I'm not exactly sure in the exact layout just yet. That hasn't been completed. But generally speaking, the idea is in any given chapter, lore, and then there's going to be a page or pages with uh, stat blocks and specific rule sets for 5e. We have a currently have a stretch goal that will include stat blocks and specific rule sets for Tales of the Valiant. Because mm. as we know, they're currently configured. Tales of the Valiant has the most open, you can publish anywhere you want type of rule set. Almost everybody mm-hmm. has something that would allow us to create for them. But some of those avenues are still a little structured or specific. Like yeah. you can only do it. Here, there's a specific license you have to go get uh, or a specific set of forms you have to do. You can do it here, but you can't do it on Kickstarter. So there's still a little of that going on. None of it to kill creativity, but a lot of it does steer where you can go. So the idea here is we're going to do the base lore, the base 5e rules, at least if we hit that stretch goal, the TOV rules. Future projects might include stretch goals with other rule sets as well. but for right now, this project, it's just those two because those are the two. Uh, I was an early backer for Tales of the Valiant, so I have access to all of their pre-building content. Uh, and uh, and when we get to uh, – by the time we get to the point of fulfillment, we'll have the ability to produce those rules because it's also 5e-based. It's very close, but there are some specific things that will be different. So we'll be able to make those adjustments from our base to that pretty easily without greatly expanding our timeframes. That's kind of the goal so we can meet our goals. Future projects will have other things, other stretch goals where we'll be able to do that. or we will just have separate se- separate books that we sell in those other avenues, those other locations that utilize the lore, but here's the rule set. So it won't be a, those projects won't be as robust as far as page count, but it'll be here's our book for the rules. Here's the uh, player pack or the GM pack for the stat blocks for this other game system. That's kind of what we're lo- that that's the ecosystem we're looking to build within Tabletop Journeys over time. This is our first foray into that, and I have nothing but success in 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 mind or in my thoughts because uh, I think it's absolute win. People play multiple games. Your group plays multiple types of games. If you have a faction that you really like that's in this book, and you think, yeah, this would be great to have in our Aliens game, I really want to have the Soul Society. I think they could be as cool as Burke was in the second Aliens film. I, I want that. You know, now you can do that, right? We don't have those free league rules just yet, but yeah. you know, you've got something where you can make it up for you as you go, and some future project we might be able to do that ourselves, uh, depending on, uh, like I said, those specific avenues and methodologies that you have to use. That's that's the that's the long term goal overall. But in the interim, 
we're going to set it up in a way that allows any player, any any storyteller to take it to any game or game system or time frame that they want, as long as it's appropriate to the table they want to run. That's that's great. I mean, I'm I backed a Kickstarter a while back for um, the Hellboy RPG, which is five E five E based. Yep. And just having this discussion right here is already making me think of how I can incorporate factions into a game like that. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with fantasy or about it, and it absolutely no. could work. Yep. A faction is a small society, effectively. It's a small ecosystem of people with a common belief, and they can be applied even when they sound, you know, something sounds really fantasy, like the Hands of Providence, which is one of our factions. That's, that society could work really well in a fantasy-based game. Effectively, it's fortune tellers and future-sighted people who move around with a common view of the future, nudging events uh, to make their future come to, to fruition. Or it can also be moved into a more modern setting. You just got to change its look and feel a little bit, and you've got the show Person of Interest with the two machines, the machine and Samaritan and their agents on the ground and how much they were compete and how they were competing to change the world, which is a television show if you haven't seen it. Or you could move it into a futuristic state and you've, you just have to you just change the, the outside layer because that's all it is. That's just the what it's dressed up for, whether or not it's dressed for fantasy or dressed for sci-fi or dressed for post-apocalyptic. You just change its outfit and it's ready to go. I got a little preview of, of uh, some drafts you're working on. And so can you talk to like the building blocks that make up these factions? I think that'll probably help folks get a, a better understanding of, of what's going to be in the, in the actual Kickstarter. Like yeah. w- take one faction. What are the building blocks that go into it? Glenn, you want to do the breakdown since you are sure. one of the primary architects of, of the uh, format? So basically, when we decided we were going to run with the concept of factions, one of the things, and hey, this bounces back to that, that lessons learned uh, category. One of the things we learned in our last project is that every if everybody says, let's write subclasses and runs off into their own corners and writes in isolation, what comes back will not match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at all. So everything will have to be fully reinvented to have a cohesive flow. So we started out right off the gate this time going, that's not okay. We need a template. It doesn't have to be the exact same for every faction, but we need some basic building blocks that are going to make up the scaffolding. And then each one can have window dressing or extra uh, sections or subsections that give things specific to it. And as we were doing that, we did a lot of research. Um, We went through uh, faction creating stuff from 5e from other systems like uh, the Adventure League. Guide to Factions, which is a short page, a short like five or six pager about uh, the Harpers and things like that, was one of the things we were looking at. We went through a lot of material and we started picking up the pieces of, okay, that seems really important and integral to defining what a faction is. We have to have that and uh, built a template. So each faction should start with a general blurb, like a summary you would get at the beginning of any adventure or anything else. It gives you an overview. Uh, but then it should dive right into the faction lore that's going to start out with a long section on its history, how it was established, and some little bits about you know its lore, important people, or tactics, or the way that things changed as it goes through. But then right after history, it's going to break down throughout the ages. Um, and we're doing, at the moment, we have four definite setting ports that we want to make sure we have available. And one is a Bronze Age neoclassical early fantasy setting. Uh, Renaissance Victorian steampunk setting is the next level. 
modern dystopian to post-apocalyptic is the next level after that. And then the sci-fi setting, futuristic setting, uh, you know, or hard sci-fi fantasy setting at the end. We're going to try to give you a snapshot of how you could take what you've seen of that, the history above and dress it up to fit into those different, those different historic or periods or genres. Um, each faction will have its own unique symbol or badge, uh, and they're going to be cool. Those are the that's the art that we're working on now and going through revisions of, and they they look pretty hot. And we're hoping to do some special stuff in the Kickstarter rewards with those symbols. Mm-hmm. Uh, hoping people pick their favorite faction symbol or faction and symbol to get behind it. Get a T-shirt. Yeah, we're going to do a T-shirt, maybe coffee mugs. Each one's also going to have a section on specific beliefs or tenets, and that's where it's going to step away from the history part and kind of give you their mission statement, you know, what they're about in a more concise, specific format and the the different aspects of how that influences them relating to the rest of the world. Uh, that'll include things like their goals, their wealth and influence in terms of, you know, whether or not... and Wealth levels vary depending on game, but we're going to give you kind of like high wealth, low wealth, medium wealth, just as an example, so that based on your economic system, you can insert them in. We'll talk about their strongholds and headquarters uh, and any services they offer to the rest of the world, too, because factions don't usually live just as an island unto themselves unless they're just an evil faction trying to take over the world, at which point, you know, they're not really offering services beyond convert pain. Um, <laughs> and pain. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, the seed family from far cry five comes to mind. They weren't really offering anybody, any, anything <laughs> offering a can of whoop. At- <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're going to give you some, anything they've got for rituals, rumors, or secrets kind of like that. This is, this is, this is the below the surface less common information about the faction. We'll cover enemies and rivals and favorite tactics. When we get into membership, we'll get into into typical members for each faction. We're going to talk about how they re- possibly how they recruit their the people into it, ranks and advancement so that we can create a possibility for you to let your players be part of them. Because we don't want this to just be a storyteller book. We want the players to be able to base themselves in these factions too. And one yeah. of our stretch goals is going to be a unique faction and feat for or faction, a unique background and feat for each faction to go into that player, that player uh, category. But for members, we'll talk about membership perks, resources, and training. And we're going to throw in character building questions and faction building questions throughout where we're when we hit it the appropriate spot we're going to ask you a question like if you're working on a character and a background how does this show up in your current character's history it's going to ask you direct questions to help you bring it to life and then we'll hit the actual rules and stats where we're going to have stat blocks for at least uh, one stat block for each tier for a generic a generic adversary or ally that could appear um and any rules specific to that faction that need to have mechanics will be in that section as well um and then hopefully our stretch goals will expand it from there uh you know when i when i get this all edited and um published to youtube i'm gonna uh put the the timestamp on this section this is like just tell me what this is. Because <laughs> exactly. yeah. like, yeah. you really uh, nice to summarize what's going to be 
you know, the, the whole construct of, of each faction, which I, I think you laid it out pretty well. That it was, uh, well, one of the other things that's going to be included <laughs> that's right along those lines is now that we've created that template. And as we go through writing it, our lessons learned are going to go into, it might be the first chapter, it might be the last chapter, but it'll be the last one we write because we're going to include all of our lessons learned into its final structuring as we're going to write a chapter on how to create your own faction and fill in all of these pieces from the template. That's nice. Yeah. The the goal really was, as Glenn said, and I just want to double emphasize this, is to give everybody playing the game something that they can work with. Um, Even if you're, if you, if I'm a player and I'm getting ready to play a character, if I'm given a pre-gen, as long as my storyteller is good with the general flavor of this type of stuff, I now can very quickly build a really good backstory because my guy comes from this, uh, whether it be the Miner's Guild or something like that. Like I, and, and it could be one of the nine that we have. It could be one that I've made up as a player myself simply for the sake of informing my play at the table. Uh, so it is very much a player focused book in that you can build a character who comes from one of these. You can build a character whose goal it is to join one of these. You could build a character whose lifelong enemy is one of these. Uh, and that can inform how your character interacts with the game world that you're about to play in. Similarly, every tie that you make to the faction in your world and your players will bring the faction more to life within your world. Absolutely. And as a storyteller, this could be, they could be the patron for the player group. They could be the enemy that the player group is working against. So at first they're fighting those tier one stat blocks, those common guys or whatever, when they catch wind of the uh, boss that they deal with in tier two. And then it's, oh my goodness, this is much bigger than we originally thought. Uh, We have to travel to the town at the edge of the kingdom to go after the lieutenant. And then when we beat that, we realized this was just the tip of the iceberg. There's a much larger organization. They have a goal. Now we got to go after the ones at the head. This you could take this one of these actions and you could build an entire campaign about fighting them, or you could build an entire campaign about rising through the ranks within them. And I love the fact that what we're talking about allows you to do both of those things, uh, either separately or hell at the same time. You could be fighting against one while joining the other. You could have faction wars if you really wanted to. That, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I'm kind of distracting myself here because I keep kind of uh, going back and in, to what uh, Glenn said a second ago about uh, you're putting the, the the basic template in the book out there for folks to create their own factions. Have you thought about uh, having some sort of license for that so that folks could either uh, kind of have their own travelers uh, companions uh, that they could put on drive through or whatever, or, or, or take, take the, your factions and, and make their own adventures with them. Have you thought about that kind of thing just to kind of build on the lore that you're creating and, and let, let other people in and, and, and to use your lore as, as a baseline for their own thing? I mean, we haven't, oh, but that's, you. Kind of a fantastic. Idea. <laughs> that, that's an interesting thought. Um, so, huh. Gotcha. I mean, Some I mean, gotcha jur- journalism. <laughs> my I mean, gut I, off of that. 
you want to give your gut first, Josh? Go ahead. Spot. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah. Go ahead. This is great. Okay. My gut on that is where we are now in our current professional development. Um, we think this book is going to be great and it's one of the lessons that we're learning and it's one of the stepping stones along our path. Um, and I think that at this point, I don't think we're quite ready to put out our own licensing. I think that feels like we might be getting a little bit too big for our britches at this point. Um, my gut, says that for these factions and the reason we're including that chapter is because we want people to tell stories and we want them to create and we want them to use our method because that's going to draw more people to our brand um and beyond supporting our kickstarter we hadn't put a single thought into trying to capitalize or carry that any further so the moment we would just welcome people to use our system and create factions and tell us about the amazing stories that they told with them and we're not we're not chasing anybody about rights or anything like that well i mean i can honestly say it would be really cool to have a contest where people send in a bunch of the factions and then we could have our various uh social media communities like we could select like 10 and then just have uh like you know and and then like and 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 just support people who've created these things yeah. in some fashion. I mean, this has got uh, its jam but, written all over it. Yeah, well, yeah that, it really does. You know, but at the same time, what we're talking about, at least as far as the lore section, I don't know if that methodology is really copyrightable or licensable. Uh, but, I think yeah, we're putting yeah. headers in a way um, like obviously if we have our content, our IP is our IP. And that obviously I think has is already covered. Um, but I think what we're more talking about is here's a way we're telling stories. We invite other people to tell stories in a similar way. And uh, we'd love if you shared that with us so we can see what we can all uh, come up with together. Put it on a supplement in the table ter- uh, table yeah. journeys magazine that comes out once a month. Yeah. Well, I'm showing. We're, we're looking there. for a producer for that tier. Are you interested? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave up writing a long time ago. <laughs> No, you didn't. Oh. You just stopped putting it on paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so my I, version. I got to jur- journalism so I, right there. I'll tell you where that's, this that's is true. coming from. Uh, um, we're kind of in the outer orbit of the uh, Mork Borg crowd, and they have this this open mm-hmm. license, and they do a lot of you know itch jams and 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 things like that, where where they're taking the, their stuff and they've created. Uh, this community that, that keeps on growing and and has all these other little mini, mini satellites and orbits that, that different people are kind of creating for. And it's, okay. it's kind of gotten bigger, a lot bigger than the actual Morkborg creators. Uh, it's, it's this right. whole thing now. So I don't know if that whole process is, is uh, that, may, that was maybe just a one-time thing. Uh, but if you could somehow capture that lightning in the bottle, it like yeah. what you create here. If you kind of keep going down this route, it could just be, end up being a, mo- a lot bigger than you, and you could actually help create other communities uh, th- through through what you're doing. So, um, I don't know. That's I really, mean, that's I'm a really just, cool idea. I, I yeah. love that idea. I, I, it, it is. It has caused wheels to spin. It is not something we thought <laughs> yeah, about. Definitely before got this us moment. <laughs> <and> got <laughs> everything turned. <laughs> <Good> job, <Nathan. laughs> but. 
I mean, we've always been about building community. We say it, yeah. uh, oh, you know, yeah. 100%. Uh, here you've probably heard it 15, 20 times just yeah. with what you've listened to. We're about building this community. We're about uh, getting more people to the table, sharing more stories with more people and, and that. So uh, I definitely think that, that uh, if something we're doing becomes an even bigger and better vehicle for that, we're definitely going to find ways to make sure we can expand that and make that even better. I definitely think there's ways to do that. That would be very cool. Um, I'm not sure what that Avenue would look like. I'm not sure how that works. Not a lawyer. Don't even play one on TV though. I have played one in a couple of tabletop games, Um, (laughs) but But you don't have to pass the bar for that. Yeah, you really don't. <laughs> well, besides the bar is usually a little bit taller than I am at five three, so I know you can't even reach it. I, I can't, I can't even get on that ride. So, uh, oh. <laughs> but, has never passed the bar as long as I've ever known him. So, I mean, that that's right. Ouch. He just pulls up a stool, ouch, ouch. and grabs just a microphone. Stop. But there you go. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, every game that I have played with with factions, going all the way back, starting with the old Planescape box set mm-hmm. has added a richness and a depthness to the story world, um, which they would, never would have imagined before. I mean, uh, I, I remember that, that campaign setting. It wasn't, it wasn't fleshed out as nearly as much as it could have been, except the factions did it. Um, the way, the way I GM'd it, uh, the way I, 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 the way the story developed, those factions were uh, integral part of that world and how the characters uh, interacted with them, uh, whether or not they chose to be part of the factions, whether or not that we had, you know, characters just starting in that world who was just learning about them from the outside and the rumors here and the scuttlebutt there and meeting some of the lower tier members and then getting an, you know, then later on getting an idea of like the bigger movements uh, within the world. It's, mm-hmm. it adds so much color to to the tapestry uh and I, I you know seeing this and using being able to use it in any world like i said just talking here we've I've, I've thought about three or four different worlds where i could use these kind of factions and uh, i think it's going to be a fantastic tool and it is going to create this world and you're going to get so much feedback from other storytellers other players yeah. who uh, who do this so i mean i'm really excited to see how this goes and, and see where it goes so are we, <laughs> you know, I mean, kind of the best part is, is, uh, is seeing what happens. Right. So, yeah. Yes. And we love it yeah. when we get somebody who sends us those stories that tells us how, what we wrote or something that we created impacted their table. It's fantastic. Yeah. And you're a hundred percent right. Even if you have a micro view of the world for lower level characters who haven't even left the Shire yet, having a fa- a worldly faction or two inside that community brings the whole world to life it fleshes the whole thing out beyond the community and it can it can really make a difference well i I also look at it like when you take a look at our first book which was collaborative world building that first book was about how do we get players to engage with the campaign world uh that was really what that was about Our, our 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 subclasses faction was now how do we create something cool so that players can do this these new things and interact with that campaign world in a different and unique way it wasn't about giving them more power but it was about covering things that we didn't think were really well covered in current watsi products you know uh the beast mind from our last book uh from that book comes comes to mind i have been a fan of rangers from years past and what i really 
never liked about the the base 5e ranger is i wanted a ranger to have an actual legitimate animal friend i did not want right. it to be um a sprite or spirit of of nature which is fine but that wasn't my vision of of, of a ranger i wanted mark singer with a badass cat and and Poto and Kodo and Poto his pouch. and Kodo and oh, yeah. his bird that flies around and can see stuff. That's what I wanted, <laughs> right? I wanted Beastmaster swinging his sword, right? And so taking the 5e system and coming up with a way to do that was what we tried to do. So a lot of what went into that subclass book was how do we fill these gaps that we for things that we want to see at the table that aren't already there. Right. This is that next evolution. Now, how do we enrich the overall story? So people playing in those gaps have an organization they can belong to or work against. How do, and the stories that they've collaborated on ha, are now the backdrop for the characters to act in and the, and the factions that they act within interact with that whole game world. We are literally doing all of the same things, and each separate project is expanding that to the next logical point and where do we go from there and that's kind of what we the what we've been building to is this and in fact some of the things that are appearing in this project and some of the things that will appear in our next project are things that started two and three projects ago that were too big for what we were doing hold on to it we'll do it a little bit more a little bit later there's there are a couple factions that do that will not appear in this project that simply because they need to be their own thing because that faction also includes a subclass, also includes all these other things. It's a whole book unto yeah. itself. Right. So they're going to be – there are future projects. we got at least one of those. Easy. Yeah, we. I think we're at I think two. we might have two, but yeah, I know I we've got one. I think we're at one. two right now, but I know we have one that's really tight and – like it won't take long after this completes before something before that's ready to go, you know, but that's kind of what we're doing. We just want to expand what can be done. All of those things that you're seeing in all these other games, that's what we're seeing. And we're even seeing like those games that have those great licenses that we can sit back and we've already got ideas for that little blurb. That's how you translate it to this type of world. Yeah. Six months from now, a year from now, we can go back and do just that piece for that other game. Uh, that's kind of what we're looking at, you know, and uh, that's really exciting. That gets me jazz. It has me waking up at night sometimes looking for a notepad or scratch pad. So I can jot down ideas uh, and then put it in a folder for two projects from now when we're ready to yeah. hit that. That's, that's kind of how excited I get about this stuff. Yeah, you, you talked about uh, a bit about that last time uh, we spoke. Uh, that you're you're just building this kind of this backlog library of of, of ideas that uh, when it comes up for a project, you say, "Oh, you know what? I've got something for that," and then you go to your Manila folder or whatever you, whatever you use yeah. to, to store those <laughs> yeah. ideas. Google Drive now, um, <laughs> by the time when we were talking with you <laughs> right. last year, they were literally in Manila folders um, that are in, in various places and, and stuff, which is, or worse yet, like little scratch papers that were actually in books on my uh, game shelf uh, so that when it's time for that project, I just go to the book in question and I pull it out. I'm like, okay, that's the page. That's the idea. And then, and then start from there. But yeah, I'm trying to get a little more digital. Well, congratulations. Uh, welcome to the uh, 21st century. 
Um, <laughs> so we, we dragged him in. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Kicking and screaming. Yeah, and these are coming from my two friends who laughed at me when I finally broke down and got a cell phone in like 2008 <laughs> or whatever it was, because I avoided having one for a very long time. Did you, oh, did you still have the pager? No, I never did. Yeah. I didn't even have a pager. I was actually, generally speaking, did not want to be contacted. I worked in a call center. I talked on the phone for a job. My golden rule at the time was, unless you're paying me about $20 an hour, don't talk to me on the phone. That was my golden yeah. rule. I just don't want to talk on a phone. And and even now, yeah. if it's not these two cats, I, I, I am rarely on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, we, we have this uh, get together every year. We probably talked about this last year, but we have this get together every year. And one of the guys is coming is bringing his, his son this time. He's out in Oregon. He, he, he's called me a couple of times this week. And like, it's always right in the, in the middle of something. And I guess like, uh, yeah, I'll call him back eventually. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a instant messenger type, uh, type of guy. So, so mm, it's, yep. uh, but he's like a phone call guy. So it's, it's just really weird for me. You know, I can't wait to see him, but, but, uh, and I should call him back, and uh, maybe I will. Yeah, um, note to self: you've been recorded now. Once he listens to this or sees this episode, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna owe him that phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Unless, of course, you edit that piece out. I mean, <laughs> which is why. Which is why I, I'm I might tell- not even be here. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell a really good joke now because okay. if I tell a really good joke in this segment, it'll be harder for him to cut it out. I'm putting him on blast. That's how kind of that I'll stop. Like, we, we, we know his trigger words on the podcast. So there's like, there's a list of two or three words that we can say that when we know that it will, he'll cut it out immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I'm actually down to the point where I can, um, there's uh, Matt, uh, had the troll saying harvest with the T he, he kept on saying yeah. harvest. Mm. And I, I took a, a T sound an ST sound and, and merged it with his harvest. So if you listen to the endless harvest, every intro, he says harvest every time, but that's not what he said. That was, yeah. that's how, how, how anal I've gotten. <laughs> so <laughs> you can fix it in post. Yeah. So uh, one, one yeah, editor to that. another, yeah, I, I have learned that uh, be- with the tools that we use specifically, uh, all word-based, uh, which is awesome. As long as a person said a word or said a phrase at some point during the, during a given pod or whatever, I can copy the word elsewhere and yep. paste it in. So I literally am in many cases listening to that didn't come out as clearly as I wanted. Did he say that word elsewhere? And then I'll just replace it with the same word uh, elsewhere. And as long as the tone was relatively even, um, you might not even notice that. And and what's yeah. funny is I will sometimes be going through and like, okay, I, I, and, and I will leave a mark to myself. I need to replace that if I come across it again, but sometimes I'll forget to go back. And then when, Josh does the final sound processing on, on our episodes. Then I come back and do a quality listen or Glenn will do a quality listen on that quality. Listen, I'll catch something that I was supposed to go back and get and catch like, Hey, yeah, Josh, yeah. I missed that. Uh, this was one of those ones. Can we uh, just cut that all together at this point? Cause it's too late <laughs> at that point to do the whole right, copy right, and paste right. thing. At that point, it's like, hey, how about we just clip that? Cause since I, <laughs> since I yeah, missed well, it. Yeah. Unless you have to do all the processing and the rendering that takes such a long time. It's like, it's, it's kind of hard to unbake that cake yeah so i i i i I do no cake baking i'm about (laughs) i'm about assemblage of the ingredients Uh, josh does all the baking 
<laughs> well, well, let's, let's let's circle back. Is there anything else that you want to right. talk about regarding the, the upcoming Kickstarter? Anything we didn't cover? I, I think somebody should st- probably at least go down our uh, uh, stretch our goals. stretch goals. Yeah, to make sure everybody knows the extras. Or like when the campaign in. starts. Or when it starts, or any of that. Yeah, crazy. that's yeah. Really All they know so far is nine factions. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Each one will be its own chapter. There's a yep. little bit more information. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, um, when's when's the Kickstarter kick off? Sure. So the Kickstarter starts September 28th. Uh, we're going to be running until October 26th. Uh, so we're launching at like noontime on a Thursday. We'll be running a few weeks. Um, and that's going to include also, uh, we're working out some details to go ahead and do like a big live show to kind of celebrate the end of the campaign uh, on the Monday before. So uh, we're watch our social medias for all that. Like we'll be, we'll be announcing where that's going to be and how to get in there uh, and all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a shorter campaign than last time, but a more ambitious goal. So you know, we're uh, yeah. I'll cl- include all your social media links and the and website and everything and and the, cool. and yep. Kickstarter link if you have one. I'll, I'll include that in the uh, YouTube. I will uh, absolutely show that to you. Yeah, that's yeah. TT Journeys on X and what is it on Blue Sky? Uh, it's it's TT Journeys on Blue Sky also. Yep, we're TT oh, okay, Journeys awesome. pretty much everywhere. And because uh, because the, the running the running yeah. joke for that is that when Lou Anika and I first came up with the campaign with, with the idea, you know, uh, for the podcast, that uh, totally like the name was the first thing that came. But www.tabletopjourneys.com was already taken by like someone in Wisconsin who did not want to play ball to go ahead and give us the name. So, uh, so we, so we, yeah. we, we came www.ttjourneys.com. And so TT journeys kind of became everywhere. Like we're TT journeys on Facebook. Right. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on, you know, you name it. We're there. So, uh, so I'll run down the actual names of the factions. Cause we do have that locked down okay. at this point. Yep. Uh, and then Josh, if you want to hit us up with the, each of the stretch goals, I think that would be a good, good, good thing to roll into. Sure. Yeah. So uh, in no particular order, because we don't have the order in which they'll appear just yet, we have the Ember Weavers. Uh, we have the Thundersworn. Mm. We have the Commonwealth of Records, the Guardians of the Grave, mm. the Hands of Providence, the Outriders League, the Order of the Ivory Compass, the Soul Society, and the Warp and the Weft. Hmm. The Warp and Weft. There's not a second the. Oh, my apologies. The Warp yeah. and Weft. And Commonwealth Records <laughs> and I think is it, it, not it, the Commonwealth Records. <laughs> or the Commonwealth of Records. Yeah. Commonwealth I, don't, I don't think, yeah. Oh, I, I, I think you said Commonwealth <laughs> of, work, of Records. It's just Commonwealth Records. Like a, imagine Empire. The Commonwealth of the Records, records yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then and then, sorry, Lou, you broke up a little bit. So you want me to go over Search the goals, goals next? Is that? Yeah. The goal for the campaign is going to be $3,000 to start. Um, and then we have our first big goal is to go ahead and get more art. We want to go ahead and put more art. We're working with a crew of fabulous artists. And so we want more of their fabulous stuff in our book because we love working with these guys. It's, it's been great. The next uh, stretch goal after that is going to be the backgrounds that we we're talking about. Uh, each faction will get a background and feet combination, kind of in the like the post Tasha's uh, 5e world, where uh, the f- uh, background has a, a specific feet attached to it. The 
next stretch goal after that is going to be three named NPCs with stat blocks. Um, so each faction is already coming with one named NPC. Uh, could be the progenitor of the faction or the head of the faction or just somebody really important in the faction or whatever. Um, each one comes with one uh, in kind of the base offering. We hit that stretch goal. We're going to do three more. Uh, so for various levels, all that sort of thing. And then um, after okay. the NPC and stat block tier, that's where our Tales of the Valiant uh tier comes in uh so we're going to do uh, a lineage and heritage in the tales of valiant style for each faction uh so one each for all nine go ahead as well as tov treatment for each of the aforementioned stat blocks and and, uh and details okay yep so that's kind of our tales of the valiant uh uh, stretch goal yep we have two more and these are the really cool ones these are the ones that we really hope that we hit right uh so the first one is going to be uh a adventure starter uh the last time that we did uh, the kickstarter uh, we did a set of six adventure starters. They're like 10 to 12 encounter starters to kick off a campaign. Uh, we want to do one of those for each faction also. Um, and then the last one is that Glenn had mentioned that uh, we kind of detail the stronghold uh, and uh, kind of fortress or, or uh, foundation for each of the factions. The last stretch goal is going to be a custom map uh, playable for VTT uh for each of the factions also kind of detailing that stronghold. So that's kind of the, the highest stretch goal. And then after oh, that, that's cool. if we, that's that gets cool. us up to about 10 grand. And if we, uh, if we go over that, then uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do next. So we'll come up with something else. That last cool. stretch goal is a big one. Cause those maps are expensive. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are. Well, that sounds, that sounds great. And, and what's your kind of baseline entry level PDF version going to run? Have you figured out the uh, price yet? What you're going to start at? Yep. So we're sticking with uh, this is we talked again about lessons that we learned last time around. Right. Um, One thing that we are really big on is community copies. Right. So uh, when you back the Kickstarter, the base offering for the book for the digital copy is going to be twenty dollars. The last book came out at one hundred and eighty six pages. So twenty dollars for one hundred and eighty six page PDF is is a really good price we thought. Um, and, uh, without questions asked, we do have a kind of limited number of community copies available where you can back at half price just to get you a copy of the PDF. Um, and then you can, as an add on, you can buy more copies to put into the community kitty or whatever. So we have options for that too. Um, but the digital copy is going to be $20. Uh, the physical copy, uh, of the printed book is going to be 50. Um, and then we also have like a retail tier, uh, and an early bird tier. So if you back in the first 24 hours, you get a 10% discount. So. And, uh, speaking of the retail tier uh, something we haven't talked about, uh, yet is because we're doing print, uh, one of the reasons for that is so that this is something that can help support local game stores. Our uh, FLGSs uh, need some love from the content community, uh, content creator community. And so that was one of the things we wanted to do. So uh, what we're effectively doing is creating a tier where uh, a, a game store can, and this is exclusive for stores, can get multiple copies at a price point that allows them to resell and make money to put tabletop journeys books on their stores or on their shelves. Uh, so it can be played in their shops, that type of thing. Cause I felt a little guilty doing a lot of digital only stuff, walking into my game store and playing games. The fact that our book and the things that we write can be play can, can be purchased in my local store is kind of cool. 
So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a lot of that. And I'm, what I'm really hoping is if you're a storyteller and you're out there uh, looking at this and, you, and you're talking this up to you, the folks at your table, you're also talking this up to your local game stores. And it's not about just walking in there and buying some dice because you bought your last few books digitally. It's use a game master might 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 back us a couple of your players might back us but if there's folks who don't have the ability to or didn't pick up a community copy now they can turn around and go to that local game store and spread a little bit of that ttj love everywhere that's really forward thinking i love that because I, I do it i get digital copies of you know like a from the podcast and i still if i it's a game i love and play i still go to my local I go down there and I pick up a physical copy because I feel that, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we, we use the content. We love the content. We got to support the content. Absolutely. And, and our game stores are our, our history. I mean, I speak specifically a lot about on our show uh, and they don't sponsor. So they have sponsored individual promotions we've done. We're not specifically sponsored, but I still talk about my, my local game store a lot because I love those guys. Um, right. You know, and it'd, it'd be wonderful if they uh, if they sponsored uh, through us. So absolutely. Hashtag call your boys TTJ. But at the end of the day, I've been going to that store since 1978. I was not even 10 years old when I first walked through those stores. The original owner uh, who has since passed, God rest his soul, was an amazing person. I, I love the man. Uh, and That was awesome. And I grew I up remember, in the same store. Yeah. Um, but Lee Winnick's story. Yeah. You know, so, but I will always, I, I love telling this story. I walked in that store visiting Connecticut. I lived in New York at the time. My stepdad uh, was stationed on the Groton sub base. So we were there for a ceremony and a turnaround cruise on his sub. Uh, and we had an afternoon that was free and it was bored. So he took me to this game store across the river in New London, uh, this little tiny store that walked, had all this stuff. And, and I walked in, and I saw the games, I saw all the stuff. And, um, picked out a few things. I, I, I think it was a book on, on Roman stuff. If I remember correctly, it might actually, it was uh, Greek phalanxes. I, I remember now I got a little pamphlet on Greek phalanxes cause he did a lot of uh, war gaming and miniature gaming. Uh, and I remember uh, it wasn't even a game book. It was just a historical book on the, on the phalanx. And um, so I got that years later, like, Five or six years later, I came back to Connecticut because my dad got stationed there again and we lived there for real. Uh, and I went into the store and he remembered me from the first time I walked in wow. and even remembered the book that I picked up. And he said, That's I have amazing. some other ones like that. And uh, I had me from go <laughs> had me from go. So I absolutely love the fact that we are engaging in our content creation journey in a way that allows us to support that kind of story so that I'm not the only person with that kind of story, that there's some other kid somewhere else, whether it be in Groton, Connecticut, uh, with the new owners of the store or in Poughkeepsie, Idaho, or that wonderful place that Glenn went to out in the Midwest uh, uh, near Oshkosh. Uh, that he talked about on our show a couple of weeks back. You know, we want to help create those stories. Uh, we love our local stores. Uh, Tier and I have the same store now. It's moving, getting a bigger location real soon. I don't know if you saw that, Tier, but um, uh, I really want to. I got to tell you, I cheat on yeah, that. Thanks for having me. Don't sniff glue. Play Merc Board. That's his law. Look, I'm, I'm polystoryism. <laughs> yeah. 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 Technically, I have like three, but. Yeah. Nice. But uh, I want to thank you guys 
for coming in and chatting with us. It, the comfort level I have with you guys is great. It's just like you sit in, <laughs> you sit down, we start talking. Yeah. It's like, it's like it, the, it, it's been a year, but it doesn't, hasn't felt like a year since we talked. So uh, I know, that's right? just like a, a great well, thing. Well, so, we yeah. talk all the time through uh, yeah, Twitter slash yeah. X. So we're always yeah, trading little bits that, here and there. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're on Blue Sky now, so it's, it's, yeah, we're on, it's, we're on Blue Sky. We're on starting to feel a little better. Yeah, I've, I'm on. I'm kind of trying out Threads and Blue Sky. I'm probably on right. Threads a little bit more. Now well, the blue soon sky, X might be one of our X platforms. I, I yeah. hope so. Yeah, yeah. It, it needs it needs to go. Um, but again, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Tier. Yep. Thanks for helping me out in this. Oh, hey, no, it was it was honestly a pleasure. Like <laughs> listening to you guys, talking to you guys, I feel like uh, I'm just a. I, I get a lot out of it. I feel like yeah, I'm a better. Cool. I'm a better storyteller. Um, just for having these conversations. So thank you guys yeah. for for so much. And I'm looking forward yeah. September 28th. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. September 28th. Kickstarter. Yep. I'll be there. Yeah. All right, man. Awesome. Appreciate it. Love it. Awesome. So, so peace, great guys. being here. Have a good yeah, night, everyone. Good night. I hope you Thanks, enjoyed uh, listening or watching. Thanks. Cheers, have a great thanks. night, all. Later.